Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Pierce Dietrich. You can follow me on Twitter at Race for the Prize. Today we'll talk some more LA Clash, go through some picks, build some lineups. You know it. But first, before we do that and dive into our weekend stats, where are these stats coming from? RaceforThePrize.com. If you go there, you can get information about how to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. It's actually pretty easy. You just PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App me a couple bucks for the weekend or for the month of February, and boom, I'll send you an email. You'll have access to all of the fantasy NASCAR spreadsheets throughout the week. Very simple convenience store type of transaction. Put a couple of bucks on the counter. Here is your donuts. All right, LA Clash. Before we go to the pick and start doing some projections, oh, it's too early to do picks and projections. No, it's not. No, it is not. What have we said all week as we have prepared for the Clash? Is that finishing position is the biggest scoring match. But we don't have the qualifying data yet. We can't make picks until we know the exact qualifying grid. Sure, you might want to pass that myth along if you're trying to hype up a pre-race show. But reality is, and the stats show, that what really matters is finishing position. So we don't have the qualifying data. It doesn't matter because the majority of points they end up in the optimal lineup, come from finishing position. So if you can project finishing position, well, we need to know where they're going to start before we – do you really? When you found out that Austin Dillon was going to start 12th, did you know exactly where he was going to finish? Or are you going to base your finishing position decisions based on the car, skill, history? Yeah, practice data is going to help, but it's just one of the things that's going to sway you in one direction or the other. It shouldn't be your complete and only data point. You can project and predict finishing position well before qualifying, well before practice. You generally have a good idea. And look, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to lead us in the right path. It's going to be directionally correct, as Scott Adams would say. And as long as we're heading in the right direction, we may not be going the fastest route or as the crow flies. But as long as we're going in the right general direction, we're closer to our goal than the people who are not going in the right general direction. The people that are sitting on their hands and waiting for practice and waiting for qualifying, eventually they'll start their car and they'll take a less circuitous route and they'll have more of a direct path. But since we're already well ahead of them, they can go straighter but we'll get there sooner. Finish your position. We can predict it. We can project it. We can go through and do that, and we can build some lineups now. Before we do that, we should run through what the weekend looks like, and just kind of fun. We got a lot of stuff going on Saturday afternoon. You can't watch the Mexico practices, but that's fine. Like, part of like, oh, man, we're going to miss out on the Mexico. Look, there is plenty of racing that we are going to get to see. You'll get the Mexico Series qualifying you get a practice session, which is going to be kind of wild and rapid. We'll talk about that in a second. I don't know if a lot of people are prepared for what to expect or remember what it's been like in the past. Then from 8.30 to 9.30, you're going to get heat race one, two, three, and 4, which set the grid for the most part. And we'll come back to that in a second because I think some people have just either been lazy or they haven't looked at the format. And that's why I'm saying you can build lineups now if you actually just sit down and read the rules it's not really, uh, things changed, but if you didn't read the rules, you probably would have missed out on that. Sunday, we get at 4.30, a fun Mexico race to watch. Be neat if there were some betting options. 
a good little action, but that's okay. And that's the warm-up. The 6.30, you get the last chance qualifier, which, again, it's not as big of a deal as it was in the past. Unfortunately, it seems that people didn't read the rules this year, and they don't know what's going on. And if you read the rules, you're like, oh, well, this is actually not that big of a deal. And its impact on Daily Fantasy NASCAR is not going to be that significant. It's there, and it's going to matter, but it has been dialed down. The significance of the last chance qualifying race, not such a big deal anymore. And then you got the Bushlight Clash at 8. Sunday, all of this is in, je is in jeopardy because of massive flooding warnings in Los Angeles. So you got, on one hand, keeping the track dry and prepared and ready. And then on the other hand, because L.A. really struggles with rain when they get it, there could be emergencies declared and NASCAR could be told to stand down and not race. We've seen that at Martinsville in the past where snowstorms would come in and the track could probably be prepped and be taken care of pretty easily. But the thing is, when you run a race, you have a significant amount of sheriffs and police officers and EMS workers located at the track. If the area is affected by weather, you need those people out in the community taking care of people. So we have seen where counties and states have said, hey, you need to move this race because we need those people out in the community. That could be a scenario that unfolds in L.A. Now, they should have plenty of personnel, but then again, you just never know. You, you really don't know what to expect. It's the weather. I get it that Martinsville has less personnel, and it's harder to manage these types of situations. But then again, L.A.'s probably going to have a lot of people on hand to take care of their events. So we'll see how that unfolds. That's your weekend. Now, going back to the rules and what I was alluding to earlier, because I think some people think that, oh, man, I'll have enough time to build lineups. This is a short window that we have to prepare for. You get the last chance qualifying, and then you just have an hour to build line. No, that's just not true. <laughs> it's, it's just not true. So if we look at the format this year, you're going to have – so the, the, let's start with practice. Three groups practicing, and each group gets three sessions. So it's basically nine little sessions. The last session is where they will take your best speed and determine where you are in the heat race. So they're going to go like five, five minutes. Bam, 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 bam. All right, out. Bam, 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 bam. Out. Bam, bam, bam. It's going to be pretty rapid fire. While that last session will determine where you line up in your heat race. The fastest car in the final session goes one. The second fastest car lines up on the pole in heat race two. And you can see. And then at the end of the race, we're going to take the top five drivers from each heat race and they qualify, and that's your 20 cars on the grid. Simple, right? No big deal. All right, then we have the last chance qualifier. This year, of those remaining 20 cars in the LCQ, only two advance. In previous seasons, six cars advanced from the LCQ. So in previous seasons, the back of the grid, a significant portion was determined by the LCQ. And that meant, yeah, you probably did have a little tighter of a lineup building window. There's a little bit more rushing going on because you can't completely ignore six drivers. Six place differential opportunities, and those could be six really good drivers squeezing into the final day. That was in the past. The rules changed this year. It's only two guys. You're going to have a very good idea on Saturday night what the grid is, other than 
three spots. As opposed to last year where it was seven spots. It's 5 a.m. on the East Coast. Not as significant. Sure, there's going to be a little bit of an impact. But it's not going to make it hard to build lineups throughout Sunday or Saturday evening. No big worry whatsoever. This idea of a time crunch, it just simply does not exist. No worries. Have some fun. Yeah, you're going to want to be aware of the LCQ. Yeah, you're going to want to be aware of these last drivers that get in and the, and the provisional that's handed off because they will affect the grid and DFS, but not that big of a deal. All right, let's get into the picks. Thanks for joining me, trying to make your time as useful as possible. As always, raceforthepride.com. Hop on over there. You don't really have to. You just get a PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. So before we do some picks, let's just put in some place sitter projections. I think Kyle Larson can win this race. No big deal. Trix can win this race. Blaney, Byron, Hamlin. I just want to put some numbers in. These are not final by any stretch of the imagination. And so most of these guys, I'm almost taking a simple early week plate projection process. Yeah, we don't know qualifying, heat racing, or any of that. But I just want some numbers to show up as we are building lineups to give us a general idea. Bell can win. Ellie could probably win, but I don't want to give everybody a, a winners. There, you know, everyone's not getting the trophy today. Ross Chastain, I'll dial him down. We'll give Reddick a three. We'll give... Zalski so fourth place. Same with Busher, although Busher probably will bump him up a little bit. Be fun. Bowman five. We'll give Priest a five. Bubba a five. I mean, these guys could win, but I'm just going to dial them down, not to make them look too impressive. We'll dial down Gibbs to about seven. Frisco seventh. We'll give that to Barry as well. We'll juice up Dylan a little because Dylan has raced well at this track in the past. Eric Jones, I think a 10 is fair. Suarez, 10 is probably more than fair. We'll give him a 12. Cindric will go there too. I think that's also a little aggressive. Gregson, one thing I want to say about Noah Gregson, yesterday, I believe I said he was still with Legacy Motor Club, and I'm sure someone listened to the Fantasy NASCAR podcast was screaming at the radio. I know personally when someone makes one of those faux pas or mistakes and forgets what team someone's on or mispronounces someone's name, you think that they're an idiot, and you're sitting there yelling at them, like, do your homework. So I get it. Nails on the chalkboard. Gregson's with SHR now. I will hopefully not make that mistake going forward. I know a lot of times, like, oh, I'm just going to keep making that mistake. Well, no, you shouldn't. You should fix your errors, and I'm acknowledging that now. Gregson, so it is an SHR car. We'll give him a 12. Cole Custer had a surprising seventh-place finish in the 2022 clash. So, you know, why not? He could do a little bit better. I don't want to completely rule him out. We'll see if McDowell, great season last year, but I don't really want to bump him up too much. We've got Nemechek, who is now with Legacy. Uh, not completely foreign, but he's going to have to adapt to this different car, and that's probably a little too nice. I mean, yes, did he have an amazing season last year? Yes. Is he a great, talented driver? Yes. Did he have a huge equipment advantage? Absolutely. When you put him in equal or inferior equipment, you're not really going to be able to keep up. I am sorry. We'll give Stenhouse 15's fair. Haley over with 
Rick Ware, I think 15th for Rick Ware is more than fair. Spire and Hosever, this is going to be an interesting season. I'm really intrigued by Spire. They still have their technical alliance with Hendrick. They also have a driver alliance with Trackhouse in terms of Zane Smith. They're investing a lot. They've expanded to a three-car team. They had some pretty solid finishes last year. Um, it seems like they're going all in. They want to make the playoffs. They had some good runs at Bristol last season. They've got talented drivers. They brought in Luke Lambert, so they've got talented crew chiefs. They've got sponsorship money. And then the last thing that I want to add about Spire, and this may pay dividends early in the season, and this advantage may fade, but they're still a Chevy team. Remember, the Fords and the Toyotas have new bodies this year. They're going to go through some growing pains as they adjust. We've seen this before. As teams adjust their bodies, they're going to have to do new notes, relearn how to get maximum speed. Like, they're not going to be completely lost. But remember, this is a game of inches. This is a game of milliseconds. And you're going to lose some milliseconds as mechanical changes happen. They'll get back to where they need to be but it's going to take them a little bit. Now, those milliseconds are really going to hurt them against Hendrick. Will that really hurt Toyota and Ford in competition with Spire? Will it open the door to allow Spire to creep in for some top tens early in the season? We may not really get to see that at the clash based on the aerodynamics of this race, but it is definitely something to be aware of. Hosever. I mean, it's like we're picking Ross Chastain here. He can probably top 10, and he could probably finish 30th or 23rd. Zane Smith, we'll just throw him 15 as well. Joy, I think you can give him a little bit more, who's been pretty solid. A lot more experienced. Decent short track racer at times. Put up some pretty good numbers at Martinsville here and there last year, as I mentioned, decent times at Bristol. Daniel Hemrick. Not a believer, but I won't completely bury him. Burton, not a believer. Gill and uh, like I like Gilly, but he's typically, a, you know, 18 to ceiling. No idea what to expect from Josh Williams in this race. And then we'll put Kaz Growl in the back. Okay, let's build some lineups. And it's mainly just a pricing thing. That needs to be blanked out. Four. Add two to that. Mm -hmm. Oops. Messing with the sheet, having some fun. Oh. oh, I don't want three. I want a 36. Come on. There we go. Oh. My apologies, those listening to the audio version that can't see that I'm just adjusting a formula on the fly. You're hearing all this dead time, treadmill noise. Sum of H2, D2, F2. Why is F2 not populating? Son of a... Oh, that's why. That needs to be 34. That needs to be 33. 
Exciting times here in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. There we go. Now we're good. Okay, let's build some lineups. Let's start with Kyle Larson. Let's throw him in. This is not the easiest to do with a mobile keyboard, but we can figure it out. All right, we got 39,600 left. We have an average of 7,900, 200 per, per driver. One thing I want to note is that NASCAR did tighten the salaries up this year. I know in the previous podcast, I talked about how there's usually a lot of money left on the table. I still believe we're going to have a lot of money left on the table. You can see that here. Look at previous off the lineups. You have 5,500, 22 clash. You had 5,100. I still believe we will have money left on the table, but it is worth mentioning. If you go through the raw salary numbers, don't want to do that, you'll see that DraftKings did tighten up the salaries this year. You had a lot more drivers priced under 8,000, priced under 7,000 in previous seasons. Not the case this year. So does that mean we won't have people with money left on the table? I accidentally delete the app, whatever. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Okay. Let's also go ahead and throw in another possible hog in Martin Tricks Jr. Let's try this build. Two expensive drivers on the top. Uh, we'll go to Austin Dillon. He's going to be pretty popular. And he's going to give us some savings. I think this is going to be a very popular build. Even one, I know we don't have qualifying data. But still think this is going to be the route that people are going to flow into. 7,400 per driver left. Let's think. Let's get some cheap finishing position. Who's going to give us some cheap finishing position? Barry's a little too risky for me. I go Wallace and Ryan Priest. Based on what they did last season in the Clash, should also be popular. I mean, every one of these drivers that I've picked so far have had success in this race. Larson, two top five finishes. Mark Tricks Jr. won the race last season. Austin Dillon's finished second and third in this race. Priest didn't quite get the best finish last year, but Priest was running up front. Looked pretty good. Passed the eyeball test. Some people were going to dismiss him and say, oh, well, you know, try and Priest, small sample size. It's small sample size for every single one of these drivers. And then Bob Wallace also had a really good race until he was punted by Austin Dillon. That leaves us with 6,900 left. Let's see what could go in this lineup. Suarez, Sindrick, Gregson, McDowell. Yeah, none of these guys really excite me. But let's go over and let's just simply see who's been the best in the clash in previous seasons, below 6,900. Haley's been pretty good. I don't know about that Rick Ware car. Gregson finished 14th last year. I'm sure that he's going to come in pretty hungry. Suarez hasn't really done much in his two races. We'll go with Gregson. I'll just leave it blank, but that's who we put in. All right, let's take the same lineup, and let's tinker around with it again. All right. Let's say Truex can't repeat or just doesn't really qualify well or is not as fired up because we haven't seen him drive through the field. Last year, he was up front the entire time. He made it work. Could he make the moves to work his way forward? Could he get through some adversity? We've seen these other drivers work their way through the field and overcome adversity. I mean, obviously, Truex could. He's one of the best short track races around, but we're just trying to make some qualifications and reservations. 
Uh, Kyle Busch has been really strong in this race the last two years. RCR has had some pretty solid setups the last two years. Even though his first year was with JGR, it doesn't really matter. Tyler Reddick was very solid in this equipment. That gives us 7,600. So we're in a little bit better of a spot than we were before. And we can get Gibbs. And we can get Chase Briscoe. And we can toy around with the idea of Josh Berry. I don't know if I want Jones, but Gibbs looked okay before he got wrecked out. Second season, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, maybe he'll be less deferential. Maybe he'll be less worried about gaining respect and doing something stupid in his very first real. It wasn't really his first cup race because, remember, he did fill in for Kurt Busch in the previous season. But it's his rookie season at the Clash. Maybe he doesn't necessarily want to ruffle any feathers as an official JGR representative. This year, sophomore year, he's more free to do whatever he wants. We know JGR Toyota equipment's good. We know he is a very talented driver. He has crushed everywhere he has been. He's always had a huge competitive advantage in terms of equipment as well. So this is really the first time we get to see what is he made of and didn't really show us much in his rookie season. Did they rush him up? I mean, what? I don't really feel like Gibbs is rushed at all. There was really nothing left for him to prove. And, I mean, imagine, what's he going to learn if you leave him in the Xfinity Series for another year with superior equipment? He's not really going to learn what he needs to learn. It's better to bring him up and allow him to struggle and really get some reps in a different car, in a different situation, in a different environment, with higher stakes. So, yeah, it went fast for him to get to the top. But there really was no reason to leave him down there. Briscoe has done well at these short tracks since they've taken away the horsepower. I don't mind going in that direction. SHR has also done pretty well. We are worried that Josh Berry is not going to doesn't have any laps. He's going to get three quick sessions. He's going to get a heat race. He's going to just have to get after it. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like the other drivers in this field have a ton of experience at this racetrack. And in reality, if you kind of zoom out, we talk about Barry as a late model short track racer. He's got more short track experience than anybody. So maybe that's really nothing to worry about. Rodney Childers has been pretty good at setting up cars for these types of racetracks. I'm fine with any of them gun to my head i think i would take ty gibbs i believe i might be able to get a little bit lower ownership in that direction all right let's do another build what kind of direction let's get rid of let's get rid of priest because i think he'll be popular let's go with the cheap guy and see if we can go move up in a tier let's take let's take corley joy and here I'm spending all of my salary while I, I sit there and tell you, like, oh, you don't need to spend all of your money. Well, we're not really going to know that until we do see some qualifying on Saturday night. But, again, remember, the story is, do I think these guys can get top tens? Absolutely for Larson, Bush, Dylan, Wallace, LaJoy, and this one's going to be a bit of a stretch. Over here, I'm pretty confident they can all get top tens and that they'll work. 
LaJoy is going to be a bit of a stretch. But by taking him, it allows me to go all the way up to 9,800, which could create a situation where I leave a bunch of money on the table. Or I can spend all of it and try to get a third lap leader or third guy that's going to be up front. Uh, the problem with that build, and I know it's a small sample size, is that we haven't seen it really come to fruition. If I look at uh, the previous optimal lineups, we had two drivers with hog points or dominator points or what you would call fast lap laps lead points. And then again in 2022, now, there were actually other drivers that possibly could have been hogs or dominators or fast lap slash laps lead leaders. But the nature of the racing caused those drivers to not finish where they needed to finish. They get wrecked. They get dumped. So we look and we'll see that Bubba Wallace loses 14 place differential points. He had 15 hog points. Those all vanish and get erased. Denny Hamlin, eight fast lap points, seven laps lead points, but he got taken to the back, had his issues like everybody else. So yeah, there is, in theory, we could fit three hogs into the lineup. We've got four guys who scored a significant amount of fast laps and lap sub points in the 2023 race. In the 2022 race, let's look at our numbers. We got one, two, three guys, three to four drivers. But due to the nature of the racing, the reason why we have three to four drivers that lead laps is because of the wrecks, because of the spins. If there weren't these spins or wrecks, then we would only have one or two guys running away with the race. It seems inevitable that one of our hogs or dominators or lap leaders is going to get knocked down. And so in the end, we really only end up with two hog point or dominator drivers in the optimal lineup. We say, but there are three. There are three. And there are four in 2023. But the reason why was because they got knocked out. And because they got knocked out, they couldn't be in the optimal lineup. If we'll say, but there were four guys that led laps. And what if they don't get knocked out? All right, very good. There were four drivers that led significant amount of laps. And if they didn't get knocked out, you'd want three or four hogs in your optimal lineup. But that is an invalid scenario that cannot happen because the reason we had four lap leaders, the reason there were four hogs was because two of them got wrecked. So if you say those two don't get wrecked, then you likely don't end up with four drivers leading laps and running fast laps. You only lead two. So as you add hogs, you're kind of erasing hogs as we spread it out. So that, and I know it's a small sample size, but that's what we've seen so far. And from what we've seen so far, you really only need two hogs in your lineup. Now, as we build for that, I say, all right, well, I don't need to chase three lap leaders. That is true. I don't need Denny Hamlin, Larson, and Bush to lead laps. But I'm not chasing three hogs. What I am chasing with this build is three drivers finishing in the top five. Do I think that, oh, we're going to have three hogs? Maybe, maybe not. 
Do I think I'm going to have three drivers that need to have top fives? Absolutely. Larson can top five, Bush can top five, Hamlin can top five. That's my framing in that situation. And if for whatever reason there somehow does end up being three hogs in the off the lineup, I've got a pretty good base here with Hamlin, Larson, and Bush. A much better base than over here. But even over here, Priest and Wallace were hogs at the price that they came in at. So there's no guarantee that just because a driver is expensive, they're going to lead a bunch of laps. There's no guarantee that you're going to have to overpay. And I mean, last year is a perfect example. You go over and see $6,000 for a guy that got the most. $7,300, this is just an egregious price tag for the driver of six with 12. $6,700 for Bob Wallace, who got 15. Even Denny Hamlin at $8,600. This is a really soft salary in last year's clash. They got a lot tighter this year, but I still don't believe it's going to be that big of an issue. We'll see, though. If the heat races go bonanza, bonanza, bananas, and we end up with some really cheap drivers starting up forward and some more expensive tier drivers starting in the back, then, yeah, we could be in for quite a salary crunch and a tough roster build. We'll see. Let's build a couple more lineups as we wrap up the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet for Friday. Actually, let's, uh, before we do, let's talk some odds. These are not bad odds to get. The sportsbook does not really know how to price these guys. Typically, you're you're winning drivers around plus 200, 300. You get a three to one, four to one. Larson's giving you nine to one at the moment. So put a buck down, win $9. That's not bad whatsoever. It's pretty appealing. So immediately you go to that. And then even like top five, top three, those are some solid payouts. But in this race, my betting strategy would absolutely be to chase wins. It's not as volatile and unpredictable as a Daytona race, but it's up there. This isn't like an intermediate track in June where everyone has a pretty good idea who's going to win, right? Short track in August where there's five guys that have a shot and everybody else are just setting your money on fire. We don't know who could win. Legitimately, who could win. Like Priest was battling. Dylan was battling last year. But Wallace was battling. They were all in contention. We know there's a lot of bumping and banging and wrecking, and really anything could happen. It's an exhibition race. Now, you rewind the clock to the last exhibition race, which was North Wilkesboro, and that was anything but unpredictable. Kyle Larson just whipped some boys. And who knows? Maybe he's ready to do some whipping again. The sportsbook thinks so by making him the number one favorite to win this race. And as I've mentioned before, if anyone is in top-notch shape, fine-tuned, ready to go, dialed in. It's the guy that's been racing all winter long, and that's Kyle Larson. Um, I wrote a little blog piece at racefortheprize.com talking about North Wilkesboro. It might be something that you want to look into if you have access to the fancy NASCAR spreadsheet at racefortheprize.com. You can look at the North Wilkesboro data. I went ahead and threw that in the spreadsheet, and you can look at the specific lap times, and you can see how gloriously fast Kyle Larson's laps were. Fastest lap on average at 22.1. But Wallace is pretty fast too. Larson kind of dialed it in at the end because he was literally lapping every single driver in the field. 
but you can track all the lap times. You can track their track positions. I mean, look at this run. Early in the race. Look at, look at lap 43 through 71. Everyone else is red. This guy's still clocking green. He's still dropping 22 twos on them. 22 twos. Everyone else is falling off. Everyone else is falling behind. And this guy is just motoring. All right, just got demonetized for that one. Look at this speech. All right. Calm down, everybody. Don't get too excited over North Wilkesboro data. I love racing. <laughs> so we built some lines, but let's go back to the sports book again and look and see if we can find someone with even longer odds. So I do like the Kyle Larson plus 900. Uh, I think I want to take a swig of Gatorade on this treadmill real quick. So pardon me for a pause. Thanks. Truex at 10. I take it. I like it. Hamlin 12 to 1. Brett Kozlowski might be juiced up a little bit there. Priest at 18 to 1. Probably a little too juicy. Don't think I want to go in that direction. Bubba's right where he needs to be. Look, I like Chris Buescher at 2,500. I also like Austin Dillon at 2,500. He finished second. He finished third in this race. What else does he need to prove? I'm not saying he's going to do it, but from the sports book perspective, what are they looking at? And he had some good short track races last season. RCR has set up really well for this racetrack. 25 to 1, that's a steal. I like Buescher. I like Dillon. I like Alex Bowman at 25. I don't mind Briscoe at 28, SHR, good on the short tracks. Briscoe has shown some speed. He just hasn't been able to completely complete this race. Uh, if he can avoid some mechanical failures or issues, then he really can win this race. As I get down here, these guys are probably all knows, but it is always fun to look at. Look, Ricky Stenhouse at 150. You know, that's worth throwing a little teeny bit of change down on and hoping for something crazy. If you're bullish on the Spire Chevys, then I don't mind 100 on Hosever. I absolutely don't mind a 250 to 1 bet on Corey LaJoy. Uh, maybe Zane Smith, but look, we've seen LaJoy run well at short tracks. We've seen, we have the whole Spire possibility. So I don't mind the two Spire cars down here. Maybe not Zane Smith, but why not at plus 200? We'll see. You know, maybe they come out and practice and have a good run. That number is going to absolutely quickly change if they show speed in session one. So it might be something you want to jump on. But at the bottom, I'm looking at Corey LaJoy at plus 250, Zane Smith at plus 200, Ricky Stenhouse at 150, Hosever at 100. I'm not really on these guys in the middle. And then back up here, a little bit safer bets with Chase Briscoe, Alex Bowman, and Austin Dillon and Chris Buescher. Maybe I consider Barry. I don't think he's going to be able to pull off the win. And then I think the top is fine as well with Larson, Bush. Those are all decent payouts. Go back and do a little bit more building of some lineups. We'll get away from Larson. Let's say William Byron. We'll take Byron into our lineup here. At raceforthefries.com. Well, I'll also go with Tyler Reddick's been pretty good over the last couple of years. Just needs to get the finish. 
Also good at the short tracks, 23-11. Had some pretty good short track runs last season. Reddick was strong at Richmond, as was William Byron. We'll throw in Busher, who won at Richmond. And we are pretty cheap so far. Bubba Wallace in an exhibition, maybe that's a thing. He was strong at North Wilkesboro, so don't overlook that. He was also strong at Richmond. And this will be a leave a lot of money left on the table type of lineup, just to show you that it can be done. All of these drivers are definitely top 10 drivers. Look, I got 8,600 left, so I could spend it all. But I do want to just try to get a little different and swerve a little. And so we'll take Josh Berry right there on the border of being a top 10 driver. And I've got, what, $1,400 left on the table. Again, what we're doing early here, and if you really do believe that there's going to be a time crunch in terms of building lineups, which is fine, it is, there is a little bit, right? Because we aren't going to know the final drivers. If you do believe or subscribe to that notion, then yeah, this is a worthwhile activity right now, building some lineups, although we don't have qualifying or practice data, but just getting a general sense of what you're going to be doing how you're going to be constructing and again for me the the approach really is can they top 10 is the biggest question can they top five and then do i have enough salad so byron reddick yes maybe you haven't really warmed up to busher yet you really should last year was a breakout year he is a top 10 driver he's a borderline top five driver every week moving forward he well, i mean you want a Richmond. What else do you want to see? Bubba Wallace, solid short tracks last year, took a step forward. We've seen what Dylan's done at this track. Barry's the question mark. If you don't like Barry, look, we got $8,600. You can get up to Brad Kozlowski. You can get up to Alex Bowen, who uh, finished, what, fourth year last season. He's got a win at Martinsville. He's got a win at Richmond. Hendrick Motorsports knows short tracks. Let's see if we can save a little bit at the top. Or let's see. Well, let's go up to, let's see, Byron. Maybe you're going to play the hot hand with Ryan Blaney, although he has not been good at this racetrack. You go to Blaney, you still got 8,500. There's a lot of different things that you can do. Let's get rid of Wallace. Let's get rid of. Let's go back up and say that, man, we are dialing all in on Kyle Larson because he is the Michael Jordan of racing. That might be an understatement. We might have to start calling him Racing Jesus. All right, we took out. Let's go down and get a cheapie here. And. We'll take Hosever. Buy into that Spire narrative. That gives you 9,800. Basically, anybody's on the board, minus Mark Jux Jr., Ryan Blaney. A lot of different ways that you can go there. I think that'll do it for today's Fantasy NASCAR podcast. I appreciate you guys for joining me. I would also appreciate it if you wanted to throw in a couple bucks. You can always tip. Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, the smallest amounts. Or if you're able to give me 30 bucks, then 
I'll give you access to all the fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet data for February. PayPal.me, Pierce Dietrich, Venmo.com, slash race for the prize, cash.app, slash money sign Pierce Dietrich. And I promise I'm not going to blow the money on the new NASCAR Crocs. I'm not going to take your hard-earned cash and burn it on gibbets. I don't need a Kyle Larson gibbet. I don't need a racing Jesus gibbet. I don't need a gibbet of a tire or of a NASCAR logo or whatever else gibbet they're going to release, that lug nut dude from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Although I would consider getting like a gibbet of the rifle at Texas, something like really violent. Or they, uh, I don't know, they don't do a rifle. They do the, the, uh, the six shooters. I get some gibbet six shooters, put those on my son's Crocs, something violent. No, I won't blow that money on that. It's going to go towards bathroom repair and kitchen repair, the rising cost of food. Thanks for joining me here at the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Like, subscribe, share, racefortheprize.com. Trying to do my best to get some Clash live video at ya. Maybe we'll do some live shows in between the 6.30 and 8 p.m. window. Maybe we'll do something Sunday afternoon. Keep your eyes peeled. Trip the lights, fantastic.